Hi, this is Barbara Selden, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Well, what's he doing in a telephone booth reading a book? That's not a telephone booth, Max. That's a glass cell. Of course. They've got pheasant under glass. Ed Robertson along with Susan Kessler welcoming you back to TV Confidential, a radio talk show about television that is pleased to welcome Ms. Stacy. Adams. Stacy is the daughter of Don Adams through his marriage to Dorothy Bracken. Plus, Stacy has enjoyed a long and successful career in television in her own right, both as an actress and as a network television executive. Among other things, Stacy acted with her dad on at least two occasions, including the 1989 Get Smart reunion TV movie Get Smart Again, as well as Check It Out, the show that Don Adams did for the USA. Network. We will ask Stacy what it was like to act with her dad in just a second. But first, we began our conversation by saying, Sue was telling me that you were born on the day uh, Get Smart went into production. I didn't realize that you also named your son Max. That's correct. We did. Yeah, we were. I was born on the very first day of shooting the pilot, apparently. And there's some story that mm, goes, my mom was in New York, so I was born in New York. My dad was in Los Angeles filming. And... Um, the cameras were rolling when his agent, who was Mace Newfeld at the time, came on stage and told him, your wife just had a baby, and it's all on film. I think Sue probably has it. It's all on film, and uh, no sound, unfortunately, yeah. but black and white film, it's really fun to see. You see his reaction. Yeah. That's, I mean, look, it's, it's enough to have a, a, a famous TV star as your dad, but to have that moment where he finds out that... Uh, you know, your mom had just given birth to you, captured on film. It, just, it captures who he was. That, that was a real reaction as a person. Yes, it was. It was a genuine reaction. It, it was uh, great to get that moment of genuine surprise and joy. And um, he'd already had four girls, so I'm sure, I think I heard the first question out of his mouth was, Is it a boy? <laughs> <laughs> and May said, No, it's a beautiful baby girl. So, but I'm, you know, I think he was happy nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, well, I know he eventually had a boy. Yes. Yes, but well, my for, brother Sean. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, for what it's worth, you had seven, or he had—I mean, he had seven all together. You know, I come from eleven. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. You must be Irish. Uh, Irish Catholic. My 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 mother was pre-Vatican II Irish Catholic. Yeah, that's that. You only see families that big <laughs> from Irish families or Latin American families. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but that's great to have that many siblings. Lucky you. Yeah, uh, seven girls. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, did your dad encourage you to go into the industry, or is that something you came up on your own? Oh no, no, he he didn't encourage me at all to do that. Neither one of my parents did. Um, I think you know that was just something that I always loved and it was a world in which I was immersed from the time I was born so it was sort of the family business in some ways but a funny story is that my parents I wanted to act when I was younger and when I was deciding on going to college I I wanted to study theater I expressed to them that I wanted to go to college and study theater and my parents were so upset and they said you need to get something you can fall back on you need to study something that's real that you can fall back on Mm -hmm. in case acting doesn't work out and so I applied and got accepted to USC film school for writing 
and to them that was like Yale, you know, law school. That yeah. was that was okay. Yeah. Writing was something to fall back on. Yeah. <laughs> so they were they were okay with that, which is hilarious if you think about it. Yeah, well no, that was and it still is a very distinguished school. Uh my friend John Burlingame teaches there. It's an excellent school, a wonderful school, and I'm very grateful that I was able to, to go there a long time ago. It was, it was fun. I have a question for you, Stacy. I mean, it must have been really a big thrill to get asked to work on that Get Smart TV movie. You know, it seemed like he had every everybody that was a relative in that. Yeah. Was that his idea, or did you guys say, hey, we're gonna we're going to get in on this, too? Yeah, I mean, I don't, it was such a long time ago. I just remember at the time, I know I was trying to act, and so anything that he would throw my way, I would gladly jump at it. But he was famous for putting everyone he knew Mm -hmm. in everything, going all the way back to Get Smart. And I believe that's how it started that uh, Bob Carvelis played the role of Larrabee, because he just would invite everyone down to the set and then give them a part to play. And that's how he got that role. Well, that's very smart. It's it's old school, but it's very smart. I mean, because it builds loyalty, you know, and yes. uh, it builds loyalty on the on the part of the talent, or if it's or if it's crew people. But it's also it's also smart on on behalf of your dad, whether he's you know whether he's starring in it or whether he's producing or directing or or doing all three as he often did, because. You don't have to worry about what, you know, Bob Carvelis is going to do because you know he's going to be good, you know, and uh, uh-huh, so that he can, uh-huh. he, it's, it, it takes a lot of pressure off of him. It does. And also, I think, you know, it's just he had an extremely generous, he was a very generous man, and he just wanted people to have fun and be happy. So that's why he would he would do that, you know. That was just part of his, his personality. Now, I, I also read that uh, you worked with him on the show he did for USA where I think he ran a supermarket. That's right. He was a show called Check It Out, and he was, <laughs> we shot it in, uh, they shot it in Toronto, mm-hmm. and he was up there for about three years working on that show, and he played a supermarket manager, and um, I think I had a small part on that. I think my younger sister, Beige, had a small part on that, and... God knows who else. Did you, did, did you have to audition? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, okay, okay, so Maybe. Uh, I can't remember. Well, so, some people are funny. Some people are funny that way. I mean, uh, you know, Jim Garner, for example, I mean, he... His his brother Jack worked on a lot of his things, but and you would think, and could I asked him? Because I I assumed that because Jack was his brother, that Jim always made sure that Jack had a role. But Jack had to audition every time because Jim that was just the way Jim rolled. But other people are different. I mean, I know Ron Howard always makes sure that Clint has a uh, has a role in everything. He yeah, does. he does. Yeah, it's you know I think these days people really make people audition because you don't want anyone to think that they were just given something because they're related to somebody. Yeah. I think times have changed a little bit that way. Well, even even so, I mean, even if you even even if you got your foot in the door because your dad was Don Adams, I mean, you still got to deliver the goods when the when the lights go on and the cameras roll. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what was it like to work with your dad? Great. Uh, you know, he was fun and he was you know, he was always very intense. He wanted everybody to do their best and to do well, and he would coach us if we had to say something that was funny. 
then he would, you know, absolutely jump in and coach us on how to do that. And uh, and it was great. It was good fun. And I think he felt very proud and excited about it. I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm, I'm just guessing here, because your dad, you know, was a comedian for so many, many years, and with, com- with comedians, timing is everything. I'm sure he gave you a few pointers on timing. He did, absolutely. Um, he he told, taught me many lessons over the years, and I just sort of, I really regret and wish that he'd been around in the last seven years when I was working on comedies um, to, you know, for me to just talk to him and to invite him to tapings and things like that. I wish he could have seen me. I really wish he could have seen me do that part of my career. He never did because he passed away. When he passed away, I was still just working in drama. Mm. But, you know, I like to think that he's watching. I would like to think so, too. <laughs> Our guests this hour are Stacy Adams and Susan Kessler as we celebrate the life of Don Adams, the star of Get Smart. Let's see. We mentioned before, Stacy, that you were born the first day that Get Smart started production as a series. So you would have been, you would have still been an infant, a toddler when the show was, uh, was originally in production in the 60s. I would imagine at some point in the 70s growing up, you realized, okay, my dad is not just my dad. Your dad's a major TV star. I think that that realization didn't take place for probably quite a long time until I was a lot older. Um, you know, I was certainly exposed to his fame as a child because when I was really young, everywhere we went, he would be approached for autographs. And in some cases, I remember him being mobbed. Um, I remember one incident at the Hamburger Hamlet on Sunset. I must have been very young, but it sticks with me where he, there was a tour bus full of, I guess, college kids, mm-hmm. and he just, I remember him disappearing in this crowd of what seemed like a hundred people. Probably wasn't that, but because I was little, it felt that way. And, um, and so we were exposed to that growing up, but it wasn't until I was probably much older in high school or college that I understood the impact that the show made on the world, really, because it was not just here, it was internationally. And, you know, I started to learn that people in France were very familiar with the show in South America. And as I got into college, I remember being a freshman in college and uh, boys at, you know, fraternity parties would walk up to me with their shoe to their ear. And <laughs> that was when I started to go, oh, wow, everybody knows about this show. But it was, I was probably in a bubble before that. And, and didn't really get the gravity of it until I was a bit older. Did and it? then it turned into something very, very pleasant for me and still is because to this day I'll have people come up to me and say, you know, I watched that show with my parents. This is what I hear all the time. Mm-hmm. I watched Get Smart with my parents and it's so nostalgic and meaningful to me because the one time every week where I got to sit down with my dad mm-hmm. and we would laugh together. And I've heard that from dozens and dozens of people. And so that's really a nice thing to hear. I'm sure it is. I mean, it's got to be very gratifying to know that your father was responsible for that. He, he was partially responsible for it. It was also some really, again, really fantastic writers. Mm-hmm. You can't do that sort of thing without the writing. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, let me, let me ask you this. When did he realize the, the lasting appeal of Get smart. You know, it's hard to tell with actors if they ever really understand that sort of thing because for the most part, actors can be sort of insecure and wondering 
you know, how long their success is going to last mm-hmm. and when is the next job going to come along. But I think that as he grew older and he started to, you know, look around and see that this is, this is a show that had staying power, mm-hmm. you know, it's it had been 30 years, 35 years, and still people adored him and the character of Maxwell Smart. And that's, I think, at the end of his life, towards the end of his life, he really understood that, which is wonderful for him. Did he ever feel typecast in his own after the show went off and he was doing commercials and, I mean, everything was had a Maxwell Smart that he did seem to have a Maxwell Smart uh, a feel to it, you know, with commercials and different TV shows and appearances. They loved that character so much, that's what he wanted. To, they wanted him to do. And, you know, the money was really good, but there must have been a time where he was saying, oh, okay, I've kind of had enough of that character. Was that ever ever come up? He had tremendous frustration, tremendous frustration with that. He wanted to be a dramatic actor. Mm -hmm. He wanted to, he desperately wanted to play parts on Law and Order and shows like that. He was also a director, and he had, you know, interest in directing drama. And so it was very frustrating to him that he was viewed, He, in his eyes, he felt that he was really only viewed as that character, Maxwell Smart. Yeah, and that we talk about this a lot on the show, Stacy. I mean, that that happens a lot, particularly in the '60s and the '70s, when a lot of these shows, uh, such as Get Smart, were coming into uh, you know syndication after the network run. A lot of times, like your your, your dad would be you know trying to develop something else or, or looking or looking at other projects, but he's in competition with himself because he's on every day, and so people say, "You can't do that. You're Maxwell Smart." That's an excellent point. An excellent point. It's true. Um, I think that, again, times have changed a little bit. And if you look at someone like William Shatner is a very good example mm-hmm. of an actor who was talk about an icon, could have easily been typed as that character forever, and is in some ways, yeah. however, has gone on to create other characters that are very different. So I do, I agree with you that that can be a problem, and I think it's up to the artist and their representatives Mm -hmm. to help them do other things. Well, one other thing that he did, and this was a really interesting departure uh, that your dad made. There's there's a show he did uh, in the mid-'70s called The Don Adams Screen Test, which, Uh which I loved. And I wish, I mean, it only ran for one year, and I, and I understand why it only ran for one year, because with all the clips and the rights and the clearance and this, that stuff, it had to be a very expensive show to do, but it was a fun show, and he seemed to have a good time doing that. He loved it. It was his, it was his idea, his brainchild. He developed it, he created it, and then, you know, and he ran it. And he was also the host, mm-hmm. and it was a real passion of his. That show, and um, I, I it was such a shame that it didn't go longer than one season. I think they did twenty twenty two episodes. Yeah, he, I think. And um, he had a blast. I mean, they had a lot of laughs. He had his friends, you know, who were celebrities come on and do the show. And I think he was way ahead of his time in terms of that kind of a, a performance 
competition show. Yeah, and it was great because you would see, uh, you would have a lot of celebrity friends who would do the recreation of certain scenes in classic movies. And it was, I mean, it was, it was fun. And plus, I remember is that, uh, in addition to showing, you know, the two minute clip, they would also show some of the outtakes mm-hmm. that they would do. And it, and again, it just showed that he just liked to have fun in whatever he did. He loved to laugh, and he had a great laugh and a great sense of playfulness, and he loved it. And But um, at the same time, he, you know, like many comedians, he had a very serious side mm-hmm. and, you know, certainly had some demons that he had to battle over the years. But for the most part, in terms of his professional career, he just wanted uh, laughter and to have fun. Our guests this hour are Stacey Adams and Susan Kessler as we celebrate the life of Don Adams, the star of Get Smart. Stacey is one of the daughters of Don Adams, while Sue was one of the producers of the excellent Get Smart Complete Series DVD box set edition released by Time Warner. Well, one of the things I love about what Sue did with the box set is, especially with the extra features, you know, not just with uh, the outtakes of Get Smart, but some of the tribute films that Sue was able to put together, even some of the uh, celebrations such as the roast at the Friars Club. It just shows it shows your father with his friends and his colleagues. And he just, he seemed like the type of person who was, if you had him as your friend, he was a friend for life. He was a friend for life to some people. And he was very, very loyal to, especially to um, his family. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't around that much for a lot of the kids because he worked a lot, right. and but he, all of the children could always, and all three of his ex-wives could always count on him until the very end. Yeah. For anything, yeah. if they called him and said, "I need you," he would, he would come through. Yeah. And I can, you know, I mostly can speak for myself. He always, always did come through for me, and I think all of the kids were sort of tied together by this genetic hook, which was that we were all Yarmies. and very similar in many ways because those Yarmy genes, and that was my father's real name, Donald Yarmy, Mm -hmm. were those Yarmy genes we all found were very strong and remain so. (laughs) Well, you you mentioned Yarmy genes. Uh, Is is there such a thing as funny bones? Do you have funny bones in your body, Stacey? (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I know your children are quite young, and they really haven't probably grasped the fame of your dad, but I know your daughter, she's up at the age now where she's seen him in cartoons of Inspector Gadget and uh, probably have watched a few Get Smarts. Has she ever commented about uh, how funny he was or, or anything about him, about her legacy? Yeah, I mean, she's watched Gadget, she loves Gadget, and they've watched Get Smart a little bit. I think it's it's so abstract to them because they never met him. So he was, unfortunately, he passed away when I was eight months pregnant with Mm. our first child. And so because they never met him, they don't have a context for him. They've only seen him in photographs and they've seen him on TV. And it's kind of cool, I think, especially for our eight-year-old to be able to say, my granddad was on television. But to not have seen or ever met the real man, I think, makes the whole thing a little abstract. 
at this age. Well, hopefully, you know, the time will come in the not too distant future where they will, you know, as, as children do, start asking questions and you'll have an opportunity to at least share some of your stories of, of, of your dad and, and so that he'll become less abstract and more of a reality. I think you're absolutely right. That will happen as they get to be a little bit older and their thinking is, is more sophisticated. They'll start to really grasp it. And, uh, you know, what's wonderful for them, occurred to me recently, is that for a lot of people when their relatives pass away, their, their parents or their grandparents, then, then what's left of them is in, is in photographs and videos. But here, with my kids, anytime they want to see him, they can they can go to YouTube, yeah. <laughs> you know, and pull up a clip of him, or they can go to Netflix or whatever it is. And um, actually, I don't think Netflix carries get smart, but you know what I'm saying. Yes, I do. It's so accessible yes, to them. Yes, I do. And I think that that's a real gift. And with that, would you like them to follow in his footsteps? Oh, I don't know, Sue. <laughs> I don't know. That's a tricky question. Um, you know, I just, I want them to be happy no matter what they do. I think that our daughter will probably choose being a performer of some sort. You can see it already. Um, and we'll support her in that completely. If that's what she wants, then she should follow that dream. Well, good for her. How about Max? Uh, think he might? Max, it seems to me, is a little less, um, he's a little less out there with his personality he's more introverted i i think that he's more of an engineer type ah. from what we can tell look he's only five so you never know so so, so it sounds like max may he may work in, in the lab part of control or something like that right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well stacy i know the little ones are, have been tugging at you so we're gonna we're gonna let you go but thank you so much for sharing part of your day today and, and sharing some of your memories of your father don adams thank you so much it's been a real pleasure Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your driver, and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-649-0142. 800-649-0142. That's 800-649-0142. Become an advertiser or underwriter of TV Confidential and let our brand help promote your brand. To find out more, go to televisionconfidential.com slash advertise. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button.
This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.